We welcome you again to the podcast, Players in the Game of Life. Today, we want to ask you a question similar to the one, but opposite of the one that we asked last week. Last week, it was, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Today, we want to ask the question, why does God allow good things to happen to bad people? Both questions refer to what seems to be the perplexing injustice we witness every day. The 73rd Psalm is our answer to the very same questions that also tormented the psalmist. Finding himself in terrible distress and agony of soul, he writes, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. How many of us have been in that situation when we know good and well how to go out and get what we really need or how to do those things that we call ourselves having to do to make it? We almost slipped. The writer of this psalm was a man named Asaph, a leader of one of the temple choirs. Obviously, he was not a wealthy man, but rather one who had dedicated his life to serving God. But like us, he had experienced some difficulties and questioned the injustice of it all. He watched the evil people around him living by their own rules, enjoying all the wealth and pleasures of the world and collecting riches. He complains, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They are not plagued by human ills. Asaph was looking at these people who didn't have any problems. They could pay their bills. They had plenty to eat and plenty of luxuries. But poor Asaph was stuck with directing the choir and trying to live godly. And to make things worse, his choice to serve God didn't seem to be helping him. He began to envy these people and even to question God as to why he would allow such a thing to happen. How often do we find ourselves relating to Asaph? We dedicate our lives to serving God. Then we witness the wicked, ungodly people around us get new possessions, luxurious homes, promotions, and beautiful clothes while we struggle financially. They have beautiful wives and working husbands, beautiful kids, and there's no problem in the home. The answer lies in the rest of the psalm. Asaph envied these evil people until he realized one very important thing. When he entered the sanctuary of God, he fully understood their final destiny. When I tried to understand all this, I was oppressive to me till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters, it takes five minutes to get into something that it could take you five years or even a lifetime to come out of. Surely you place them on slippery ground. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Surely, Lord, I know you cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors? 
It's hard for some people to live a life being evil and wicked and making their money or they're making their living off of the off of the injustices, off of the the pain and suffering that they may cause somebody else. Those who have temporary riches on earth are in really spiritual beggars because they do not have true riches, which is eternal life. There are many times when we do not understand what is happening to us, nor do we understand how providence works. When Asaph entered the sanctuary of God, he began to see that there was no need for him to be envious of the prosperity of the wicked because their prosperity is an illusion. He began to be or began to comprehend that the ancient deceiver, Satan, had used lies to distract him of the reality of God. There was a movie that came on once and said that the, it was called uh, The Devil Wears Prada. And every time you turn around, there was this man who was asking Satan for one thing. And every time he asked him for something, he'd give it to him. He asked to be the richest man in the world and Satan made him a drug dealer. And when he made him a drug dealer, nothing went right. His wife was cheating on him. People was coming, trying to kill him. Nothing went right. Nothing went right. When Asaph entered the sanctuary of God, he began to see that there was no need for him to be envious because every time he would look and hear the news and we listen or hear listen to people who was doing things totally contrary to the will of God, but suffering. How do you live a peaceful life always looking over your shoulder? We may not have everything we want here on earth, but we will one day prosper for all eternity through Jesus Christ our Lord. Whenever we are tempted to try another road, we should remember that that other road is a dead end. But that narrow road, that road that nobody seems to be on, that road that seems difficult for us, the, the ways of, of, of being uh, committed to something, committed to God, committed to trying to live a godly life, is it easy? I say several times over and over and over again. No, it's not easy. God knows good and well that us trying to do what we want to do to live godly is almost uh, impossible. In fact, it is impossible under our own strength. But I'm so glad that we do have a Lord, a Christ, a, a Jesus, a God that has looked beyond our faults and have seen our needs. Yes, we serve a forgiving God. God will forgive you for anything that you have done. Now, are there consequences that you have to pay? Oh, yeah, there are consequences. But the end, we're not out of the presence of God. Imagine what being out of the presence of God is like. Jesus gave a good example of being out of the presence of God. When he was on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It wasn't the, the nails that they put in his hands and in his feet. It wasn't the, the spirit that pierced his side that gave him so much pain and agony. It was being out of the presence of God. And once you're out of the presence of God, when he turns his back on you, oh my goodness, that's something I don't even want to experience. 
don't want to experience. That should be our joy and our comfort, knowing that we're in the presence of God. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. There's nothing, nothing on this earth that God doesn't already own. The Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. But not only does he own the cattle, he owns the hills that the cattle own. He owns the, 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 the Cadillac dealership. He owns the Lamborghini dealership. He owns all the money. He owns Fort Knox. He owns all the diamonds, all the gold that you could ever find or that you could ever think about possessing. He said he could pour out a blessing that you couldn't even, that you wouldn't have anything that could hold it. He has so much for us, so much for us. Those who are far from him will perish. We know that the destiny that we have in Christ Jesus is far greater than anything, any riches, anything that you could ever buy on this earth. But I say, as for me, it is good for me to be near God. And I tell you all the time, I'm not trying to get you all to think like me or even believe what I believe. I have a reason for feeling like I feel and knowing what I know. God has brought me through so many trials and tribulations. Some of the things that I've done, I'm not too proud of, but I'm still here. And a good thing is, is I don't look like what I've been through. God is a good God, a faithful God, a loving God, and a forgiving God. And his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. We need not to concern ourselves when good things seem to happen to bad people. We only need to keep our focus on our creator and enter into his presence every day through the portal of his holy word. It's something about reading the word of God. The word of God should not be a microscope that some people take to look at other people. It should be a mirror for you to take and look at yourself and see all the things that you don't stand up to. The ways, and the Bible tells us to press towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So if we're doing it like we're supposed to do it or like we should do it, are we gonna make mistakes? Yes, yes. You won't see perfection here on this earth. We are all a work in progress. We all have some dings in our armor. That white horse that they talking about riding in on, he's got a spot on him somewhere. You just got to find it. You know where yours is. I know where mine is. We all got stories. We got stories of things that nobody else will believe. We got some stories that we're going to go to our grave with. We're not telling nobody about some of the things that we've done. Really, it's not their business. But... One of these times you might find yourself giving a testimony to somebody who is going through the same thing that you have already come out of. And when they can hear you, and that's sometimes you don't have to use the Bible because some people don't even know anything about the Bible, but they do know people 
and they do know the truth. And when you sit up and use your testimony and they see the Christ in you, you don't have to say anything. They have a level of discernment. People all over, I don't care what they do or where they come from, they have a certain level of discernment where they can see some things. It, it tickles me wine heads can get up and they can share a bottle of wine with each other. Drug addicts can even share drugs together. Why is it that the people of God seemingly find it difficult to share the word with somebody else? Oh, it's all right to do it in the church sanctuary, but how can you do you do it outside the sanctuary? Can people tell that you are a Christian or that you love the Lord or that you serve the Lord just by how you carry yourself? A man told me, a wise man told me one time, he said, your skills will get you where your integrity will keep you. Does that mean that you're going to do everything right and you're going to be perfect? I doubt it very seriously. I don't care who you are. You didn't come in this world quoting scripture and carrying your Bible and speaking in tongue. You didn't do it. In fact, if the truth be told, and I know it's a bit offensive to somebody, but I got to say this, even babies tell lies before they can even start talking. How do you know? Let me, let me, let me make it plain to you. When that baby start crying and you run into that room and pick him up and you hold him and cuddle him for a minute and he say, uh, he stopped crying. But then when you leave him and put him back down, he start crying again because he didn't figure out that you will come and get him. And that's all he wants. Ain't nothing wrong with it. He's not wet. He's not hungry. You're doing what you're supposed to do. All he wants to do is have some time with you. And the best way that he know to get it is to cry so you can think something's wrong with him. But you, mm, well, don't get mad at me. But that's the truth of it. We learn how to do things way before people really understand it. And I tell you, my brothers and sisters, each generation has gotten worse and worse. I'm worse than my mother and father was. They worse than their mother and father was. And our children, my Lord, are seemingly just on the wrong road. I mean, really on the wrong road. I mean, they out there dirtball bad. But, don't, you know, you can't blame it all on them. The Bible teaches us as parents to train up our children the way they should grow or the way they should go. And when they get older, they won't stray from it. But if you don't ever tell them nothing, there's no praying in the schools. You don't pray at home anymore. You know, people don't even sit down at the dinner table and pray over their food. So what do these children have to, to relate to? And then some of them see you doing some things that you shouldn't be doing. We are all guilty of something. But we have a forgiving and a loving God that says all we got to do is repent and come to him and he'll fix it. Has he ever fixed anything for you? Let that be uh, something for you. He can fix it for anybody. Well, my time is short and it's over now. I'm going to get back with you next week. We'll have something else to talk about. But God bless you. Talk to a friend. Share this with him. Talk about me. You can even talk bad if that's what you choose to do. But just think. If what I'm saying could really affect your life and make it better, would you dare make that step? Quit tripping off of the things that people got and start counting the blessings that you already have. God bless you. Talk to you later.